Hi, I'm Brad Blaylock. And I'm Brad McKeon, and welcome to The Brad Report. Warning. The Brad Report contains spoilers. This episode of The Brad Report is brought to you by air. It's what you breathe. The Brad Report can be found on Apple, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor, and Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars only and make sure you subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Brad Report. And last week we talked about Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. And this week, we'll be belly-flopping into the Christopher Nolan trilogy, Batman Begins, uh, followed uh, next week by The Dark Knight, and the week after that, The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, But starting with the summary, I'm just going to jump right in with the overview. Dark setting. (laughs) As our story begins, we find Bruce Wayne in a jail somewhere in the Himalayas. As he's released from prison, he is recruited by Ducard, played by Liam Neeson, to train in the League of Shadows. Afterwards, Bruce returns home to Gotham to fight crime as something more than a man, but as a symbol. As a symbol, he can be incorruptible and everlasting, as something elemental and terrifying. So this is a great movie. I remember watching this movie in theaters with my brothers back in 2005 when I was just turned 14. Um, But there are a lot of good themes in here. But Brad, why don't you take us away with uh, the theme or themes that you saw in Batman Begins? Absolutely. Absolutely. So there are a few themes I think are pretty pretty obvious and pretty self-explanatory, like justice is a big theme, right? So there's several conversations between him and Rachel. Um, <clears throat> him between Rachel of what justice is, him and Ra's al Ghul of what justice is, and Bruce Wayne or Batman's own theory of justice kind of evolves throughout this. Yeah. Right? So at first he wants to he wants to kill the man that killed his parents and get revenge. And then slowly through conversations with with Rachel and just kind of seeing the destruction that that type of quote unquote justice gets. He eventually comes to the conclusion that that's not justice. You know, like I think the the quote from Rachel I have later is justice is harmony. Yeah. You know, justice is about creating harmony again. So there's a theme of justice. There is the theme of fear. I think fear is obviously a huge theme. Yeah. And the entire movie is centered around a character who chose his, his secret identity as something that he was afraid of. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool take on the character, you know, cause um, we'd never really seen that before. And in his, and like the Batman story. So like, this is a true origins story of Batman, you know? Hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought the, the also like, I want to circle back to fear, but like the power of perseverance and one of the lines that gets uh, repeated throughout the movie by uh, Thomas Wayne, Bruce's dad, and by Alfred is like, 
why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves back up and how that plays throughout the movie and like persevering to fight injustice. Um, but also, yeah, I think the, uh, the elements of fear, how, how Bruce, uh, Falcone, how Crane and Ra's al Ghul all view fear differently. I thought that was really cool. Like in the beginning, uh, Bruce Wayne, he says that, um, he said, why are you here? It's like, I want to use, I want to fight injustice by using fear to, as a weapon against those who prey on the fearful. And like Crane uses it as to terrorize criminals for enjoyment. Falcone uses fear to terrorize Gotham for personal gain. And Ra's al Ghul uses to uh, terrorize people of Gotham um, even for moral reasons, but he uses it to abuse people. And so I think fear is so prevalent through throughout it as like in this version, his dying, his dad's dying words are like, Bruce, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a big one. And another one that I think, and I was trying to, I, was, I kind of struggled putting a name on this, but it's almost like the power of the power of symbols or symbolism. Yeah, no, but it's, it's not just symbolism because it also has to do with the, his name right, and the names that they have. So you talk, they talk about the manor at one point and, yeah. you know, Bruce is like, it's just a house. Like, it's not even my house. It's my father's house. Yeah. And Alfred is like, no, Master, like this is your house now. Like you have the master bedroom. Like this house is a representation of you now. Yeah. Uh, the way that this house and manor physically, like the physical house is seen, is a direct representation of you and who you are. There's that. There's also the him forging the symbol of the bat. Right. So yeah. he starts to forge the symbol. That has meaning. He cultivates this meaning of this this bat in the sky that people see, and it becomes synonymous with fear and justice and all these other things. And then there's the power of of, of just your name, right? So he's talking to Alfred at one point. And he's talking about the the party, his birthday party. Yeah, it's a, kind of like getting towards the climax of the movie. Yeah, it's talking about his birthday party, and Bruce is like. I don't care. Like, I don't care that they're coming for me. It doesn't matter. And Alfred's like, you're going to soil your name, you know? Yeah. And Bruce is like, I don't, I don't care. And Alfred's like, well, you should. And he's right. You he should care because there's a power in the symbol of his name, right? His name means something just like everyone's name means something and cultivating that meaning matters. And so, for Batman throughout this movie, he's cultivating meaning through various symbols, including his name, including the, the bat logo and the manor itself when he rebuilds it. And as it burns down, yeah, it's all meaning making. Yeah, that is. I, yeah. I think that's really powerful. And especially with how, uh, cause you get the closing scene where he, he talks with Rachel as the, in the ruins of the mansion and she's like, hey, you know, who you really are is the Batman. And mm. like, this is your mask now. But I think with Alfred, he's continually combating the dualism where uh, the character, like, he sees himself truly as Batman. And Bruce Wayne is this, like, fake persona that he puts on. Yeah. And how Alfred is continually combating and saying, like, you know, 
you go down that way, like it's going to lead to your destruction. Mm-hmm. But like I'm, he's continually trying to draw him in to being more like his father and, you know, using his money and his wealth and his affluence and not fighting crime and not putting his life at risk sure. continually. Yeah. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. Just go back to fear real quick. Do you, do you feel like they, like Nolan almost presents Batman or at least like he introduces him almost as a, almost as if you would like a villain. Mm. So not that he's presented as a villain, but the way that Batman attacks the bad guys in the movie is almost kind of like a bad guy in a horror film attacks. Yeah. I think they're people. very like, right. So he like swoops in from off screen, grabs people. And you see him for like half a second and then he flashes out. And it's almost like a, like a slasher horror movie, mm-hmm. uh, except it's the good guy who's coming in. So it's almost presented in a way. It's, it's presented in like a typical trope of a character you're supposed to fear. Absolutely. I thought that was a, I think that's a really cool, cool way to present him. Well, I want I mean, when we think about it, like Batman, he's doing all these things. He's breaking into properties. He is like outside of the law. Sure. Yeah, of course. And technically like he would be a criminal, but he's using fear as a way, as a weapon against people that are abusing their fear for their own gain you know he's not gaining anything by arresting criminals and fighting crime personally he's doing it because he wants to save and rescue other people he wants to save his city he wants there to be justice in the city and he wants to do it for his parents and like um because like there are several lines with ducard in the beginning he's like you know you you can't do this for for personal gain or you're just a vigilante right and so it was like, you got to be something else, which I think is really cool. It's really, yeah. But like, especially, I mean, talk about uh, in Batman v Superman, like Batman's definitely like presented as the villain and in, in a way in that movie, I think, because he is like killing people. Uh, ben Affleck is like killing people in that movie. You know, there's no restraints. There's no um, like he's just doing whatever he wants because he's angry and he's hateful and there's no justice, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. Anything else on themes? Uh, no, I think we're good. I think we can move on. All right. So transitioning to a bit more of like storytelling and Nolan's Batman specifically, as we're going to be talking about is. So this movie came out in 2005 and I know this is generally more of a question save for the end, but up to this point, uh, seeing this movie, what was your most prominent memories of Batman and which version of Batman was your favorite? Like leading up to this movie, if you can remember that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I, I have any like very firm memories of Batman before this yeah. movie came out. You know, let's see. So this came out in 2005. So I've been 10 years old when this came out. I, I think this is my first like real like concrete memory of, of Batman and okay. who the character is. And all that. So yeah. What about you? Was there was there one did you have earlier memories of Batman? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I my brothers had these old Justice League figures, um, kind of like from the Super Friends era. Okay. And I remember playing with Batman and Superman and like we had a Batmobile and then watching the animated 
Oh uh, yeah. Batman, Superman adventures, sure. Saturday morning cartoons, um, Kevin Conroy, like voicing him. And uh, yeah, those, that was definitely my, and probably still is one of my favorite versions of Batman, just like, and even the justice league and justice league unlimited run. Yeah. Yeah. I love that Batman, but uh, getting into kind of talking about the look of the movie, uh, what did you think about like the aesthetics and like the mansion, the city, the narrows, um, like even the League of Shadows hideout? Like what stood out to you in I, that? I love this aesthetic more than any others in the Nolan trilogy. Yeah. And Gotham changes a lot throughout these movies. Oh, absolutely. Which is a little unfortunate because I think by movie three, they're filming in Pittsburgh. Yeah, th- it was a little unfortunate. So this movie very 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 beautiful um it has like a real like formalist aesthetic in the sense of like it's it's less about like it's it's less about the aesthetic telling you something as opposed to the aesthetic just being well done or well made right and it almost has this like little like not blade runner vibe to it but like a subdued Blade Runner vibe. Subdued too. Blade Runner vibe. <laughs> really? You well, think Blade so Runner? It doesn't, like it doesn't have the original Blade Runner? So it doesn't have all the like neon signs and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. But it's kind of got that like uh, like city on top of a city. Like like in Blade Runner, you've got like almost like layers to the city, right? There's the city above and the city below, and all the crime happens below and above is kind of whatever. So it kind of reminds me of that there is a a thirties sci-fi movie, maybe it's thirties. Thirties, nineteen thirties, Metropolis. I think so, maybe. But there, and I'm not the first one to point this out, but a lot of people have. The Goth Gotham looks an awful lot like Metropolis. From let's see, oh, it's 1927. 1927, yeah. Gotham looks an awful lot like that. And it's oh. just this really formalist. Um, type of aesthetic aesthetic vibe going on. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah, I really liked it too. And I think this was the first uh, Batman movie that we got after George Clooney and uh, which was over the top kind of kiddish and ridiculous. And Batman has a, a Visa card and nipples on the suit and all that <laughs> terrible stuff. Right. And so I thought this aesthetic was really, really good. I think it really sets the tone for all superhero movies that we have today, you know, coming out because this was kind of the most successful, I mean, outside of Spider-Man uh, this and X-Men, like this one, like it's Batman, you know, he's sure. the solo superhero icon. And I really like the the look of the city of Wayne Manor of um, even starting in Bruce Wayne in the Himalayas, you know, going and doing his training there. I thought was really, really cool because it's just always so much, you know, Gotham, Gotham, Gotham. Yeah. And getting him outside of that for a time period to to contrast it with, uh, you know, this is an like an urban icon and like. Ducard even says, or Raza Ghul even says, like, it's the world's greatest city. Right. It's the world's greatest city. Mm-hmm. And because, like, it, Gotham even tokes, takes kind of like becomes a character in itself in that sense. But yeah, I mean, it just kind of like 
transitioning is like this movie felt like it was very grounded in reality or it seemed as like there are no superpowers and all of his gadgets seem to have you know he goes to lucius fox morgan freeman and there's this explanation for everything you know yeah it's the department of applied sciences exactly yeah um did you think there's like anything that they did specifically well or could have done better in that area um of like making it grounded in reality yeah no i thought i mean you know it's a superhero movie so on some level it's always going to be a bit ridiculous right like yeah the idea of a person dressing up as a as batman and going around the city fighting crime with all his gadgets like it's ridiculous but it's supposed to be it's a superhero and that's okay yeah exactly yeah i thought it was um yeah i thought it was super fun and just kind of you know, there's always like, okay, I'm going to watch a movie to be entertained. But with Nolan taking this kind of gritty realism, I just thought it was a lot of fun in how he he did that. All right, now let's get into some characters and their traits. And so doing things a little bit differently this episode with kind of talking about their, these characters and their key moments or what their driving motivation and values are. And so kicking us off, we're just going to start with Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Uh, Do you have any uh, special insights about Bruce Wayne slash the Batman? Yeah. I mean, we've already talked about, Bruce a decent bit, but you know, his, his main motivation at the start of the film is simply to extract revenge on the man who killed his parents. And after the trial, he's upset with the verdict or not the trial, but after the, I guess it's a probation a hearing, hearing or yeah. something like that. Parole Cause he's going to testify against mm-hmm. uh, Falcone. Right. So he's going to get reduced sentence. And so he wants to kill him because he doesn't think the justice has been served. And then <clears throat> that, <clears throat> that kind of evolves into this 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 longing for real justice or harmony as Rachel calls it and his he's really motivated partially by by his fear of feeling weak and helpless again All right so they keep coming back to this moment of of him laying down in the well with his father like grappling down to him which is a little bit of foreshadowing of of, uh, I almost said Iron Man, of Batman doing his own grappling down yeah. to, to pick people up. But anyway, but uh, they keep going back to that scene. And I I, I want to say that like in part, he's fueled by wanting to never feel as helpless as he did in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then never feel as helpless as he did in the moment in which his parents were ultimately shot and killed, right? So yeah. they're, they're shot and killed. We've all seen it a million times, but they're they're laying in the alley and he's sitting there. And that scene and the scene with him in the well, I think, are kind of like the bedrock foundation of I'm never feeling like that again. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I have to do, how strong I need to be, or what gadgets I need. I'm never going to feel like that again. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I don't know why it struck me this time. Because, as you said, like, we've seen their his parents' death. A billion a times. A billion times. Yeah. But I think it's just that it's like, man, how traumatic that would have been to witness as a eight, nine, 10 year old kid. And like that pain, that trauma, that anger, the sadness, the fear of uh, the brokenness that would come from that and how 
that's the most important moment in his life and defines him and defines the character going forward. And like, he felt afraid, you know, they were, the Joe chill guy was using fear with the gun to, to get a wallet and jewelry. Yeah. And he just felt helpless. Like you said. So what about Alfred? Alfred's great. Yeah, Michael Caine is awesome. Easily the best Alfred. Yeah, without a doubt, easily the best Alfred. I, I was kind of hoping that uh, he would reprise his role in the Batman v Superman. They just kind of like bring him back, but unfortunately they didn't. Um, but yeah, I think for, for Alfred, his motivating factor is like wrapped up in a quote. And he's talking about like, you know, um, like, why do you care? And like, because I think this is a, a flashback mm. scene where uh, Bruce is returning for the trial. He was at Princeton and um, he said, like, oh, I got kicked out. And he's like, you know, it was like, why do you care? And he's like, basically saying, like, I care because a good man once made me responsible for what's most precious to him in the whole world. And that's, you know, Alfred's like, OK, well, why is Alfred going through with this? Why is Alfred supporting and allowing this stuff and like supporting him in like criminal activity and like all this crazy sure. stuff and doing a cave and you're just like what like if someone came up to me and was like hey i'm gonna do this and i'm like you're insane if someone asked if someone told you they're going spelunking <laughs> yeah <laughs> well he knew he wasn't going spelunking <laughs> anyways but it's just I, like, I know, I know. yeah <laughs> he but he supports him and he goes to pick him up and he takes care of him time and time and time again and that's alfred's like he's the support and kind of tethers bruce batman when everyone else is like against him or like he's got nobody else he always has alfred right no absolutely absolutely and alfred just motivated by this like altruistic sense of caring and love to the wayne family Right, and obviously we're not given the the whole backstory or history there, or like why he's so dedicated to this family or or what, but he's he just he loves this family and he loves them as if they were his own family. He loves Bruce as if Bruce was his own son, right? He he just wants what's best for him and he cares about him and the Wayne name. Yeah, yeah. Okay, next character, Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon. Do you want to take us off with some with some Jim Gordon character analysis? Yeah. So played by Gary Oldman. Who's awesome as Gary well. Gary Oldman is great. And he Gary Oldman is so good at not looking like Gary Oldman in so many ways. Yeah, he's he's a chameleon. He is a chameleon. He's great. Um but in, in this movie, so Gary Oldman, sorry, not Gary Oldman, Jim Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> One and the same, honestly. At this point, why not? Yeah. But he is, at one point, Batman is talking to him. He says that you're one of the good cops, one of the few left. Yeah. And so I think that for Jim, he is, he. so he's in this city of police officers that have been corrupted by the mafia. Falcone has his hands all in, in the city's police force. Mm -hmm. I think we can assume that Raz al Ghul has his handful of people in the police force, too. And Jim Gordon is one of the few who's not, right? So he is he's going in the face of corruption and sticking to his guns and sticking to 
what he thinks is right. And so I think at the very least what we can say about Jim Gordon is he has a very strong uh, conviction about what he's supposed to do and how he's supposed to to be a police officer. Yeah. He's the lawful good in the story. Yeah. You know, he's the, you know, he's sure. the law enforcement officer and he's the good guy. He's right. kind of the, um, the f- far end on that spect- spectrum. And so all the other characters are at different points on the spectrum. And so I think like you would have Gordon, then Rachel, and then, then Bruce. So you'd probably say Batman would be the chaotic good. Yeah. Rachel would be the. I think she'd also be lawful good. Yeah. I, I might would say Jim is more in between lawful and, and uh, neutral. neutral. Yeah. Cause he's kind of like his, his partners are on the take cause he, and he doesn't say anything. Right. So I'd say he's, He's he's less of the lawful good. I think Rachel's more of the lawful good because she is, you know, I mean, she's the DA and she's all about prosecuting these people. Yeah. Whereas Jim is a he's a lot more willing to kind of play by Batman's rules, and you know, he takes this the yeah uh, the exactly bat, the bat whatever mobile and shoots out the stuff. And yeah, stuff. he's there to help him. And I'd I th- say he's more neutral good. Yeah, and then you have um, Ducard, who is the lawful evil. Oh, he's crane yeah. is the neutral evil because he's just kind of like in it to sure to do his experiments and whatever. And then you have Falcone, who is the chaotic evil. It's just like, I'm just going to cause fear and well, do whatever I, th- I want and kill people. And like he's got Zaz, who's a murderer sure. on his payroll. Yeah. 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 And. We'll talk. I think we'll end up talking way more about chaotic evil next week. But uh, oh, we'll, absolutely, we'll, absolutely, we'll leave that that kind of rambling now. But yeah, Jim Gordon is this. He's a, he's a good guy who doesn't always make the right choices, but he wants to be good. Mm-hmm. And Batman sees that and, and recognizes that in him. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with that. So I think now next we have Rachel, who we kind of said was the lawful good. Um, but I think one of the things that her her line that's like repeated and kind of she tells to Bruce and as Batman he repeats back to her it's like it's not what who you are underneath but what you do that defines you what do you think of that what do you think of that do you think that's true or like how does that hit with you say the quote again yeah it's not who you are underneath but what you do that defines you yeah so I think it Right, so that's a very like you utilitarian mindset. Yeah, um, like you, what your actions, what matters is like what good or bad they produce, as opposed mm-hmm. to the intent. And I, I don't know. I tend to think that more like intent matters. Yeah, or in some cases, it matters even more so than like the like culmination of the actions. Right. So I think you can have good intentions and do something, and it doesn't. It doesn't produce ultimately good. It might even produce some form of bad, but your intentions are good. So I'm not totally on board with that, but I get what she's saying. Yeah, no, I think it's like I get what you're saying because she's criticizing Bruce as he's just wealthy yeah. and partying around. And that's the thing like that that quote has to be seen in context of of what Bruce is doing, how Bruce is behaving. And yeah. So but like I think it's it's important to note that, you know, a person is more than their successes and their failures. I hope so. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so I was just kind of like thought that was interesting. Um, but also, like, I think one of the things that is driving her is like, what chance does Gotham have when good people do nothing? And that's really motivating her to act and to do things and to 
fight for justice, to, you know, be in the DA, to be a lawyer, all those things. All right. Now for our main villain, Ducard, Liam Neeson, a.k.a. Raz Al Ghul. Sure. What did you think of him? He's awesome. I mean, he's he's a great he's a great counter counterbalance to Batman because one of the things that makes him a good villain is his his motives aren't necessarily misplaced. So his motives, and I, I have no reason to believe that he's not genuine in this. Um, but the motives that he gives for the damage and destruction that he causes is for the good of society. Yeah. He wants to, to destroy society in order, not, not for the sake of destruction, not for the sake of, of pain, but for the sake of rebuilding it in a positive and less decadent way. Right. So I think he says that the league of shadows has existed as a, a force against evil for thousands of years Every time a civilization rises to its peak level of decadence, we are there to knock it back down. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. And so I think that's what makes him a really good good villain, is that him and Batman are are very aligned in goals. They, they only differ very slightly in method. There's like there's a very thin line between Batman and Ra's al Ghul, and I think that makes for a very interesting like hero villain yeah and i think yeah oh it's great because the the one the point the irrevocable decision that bruce makes is not killing the he won't kill the farmer yeah and he's like raz al ghul talks to him as like compassion uh i think i have it as a quote later but he's talking about compassion he's like that's a weakness that your Mm -hmm. enemies will not share yeah so he asked him to kill the pig farmer and i believe they said the the farmer murdered somebody he farmer Um, is like murdered his neighbor right i think and so there, so the farmer murdered his neighbor. They've got, they've had him chained up, and during Bruce's entire training right, process. And I, don't, <laughs> I, I guess I, I'm assuming we feel the same way about this, um, but well, we'll find out. We'll find <laughs> out. So, like, he, despite the fact that that man murdered somebody, taking a sword and ramming it through him is not justice in no, that scenario. You no, know, like, that's not justice. No. Um, murdering him does not does not fix the murdering of someone else and so it's 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 vengeance at that point vengeance isn't good yeah and so that that point is the focal point that's the like glass the sliding glass door point for batman and and raz al ghul and where they differ yeah i think one of the things that also defines him is the quote that he says you know he first says that you must have the courage to do what is necessary. And then several times he repeats that to Bruce is like, are you finally willing to do what is necessary? Right. And which he's talking about killing and destruction, like genocide, just, you know, just leveling it. Yeah. Yeah. And, but he's just also says like, you know, while he's training, he's like training is nothing. The will is everything. And I think that's another important point that he and Bruce have in common is just that, no matter how defeated I'm going to be, I'm going to will myself in order to accomplishing my goals, you know, to, mm-hmm. to keep fighting, to get up, all that stuff. Uh, what about Crane, Scarecrow? Yeah, so he's an interesting one. He's a villain who 
you know, I always find villains like this a little fascinating. Mm-hmm. Villains that so in one scene he beats up Batman. Yeah, he lights him on fire and kicks him off a like roof and several story building, and just beats the crap out of them. Later, he's fighting Rachel, and Rachel just pulls out a taser <laughs> and shoots Gets him in the face. In the face. <laughs> and, and he's like, ah! <laughs> and so it makes like, this wailing sound. And so for me, like Scarecrow is kind of. I don't want to say a silly villain in a way, but I think like he's like a B or C level Batman villain at best. I mean, the thing is, like once once Batman has the antidote, it doesn't really matter. He, he's 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 meaningless. He's just a a, a nerd that sure has chemistry and like I think a he weird I think he was a really cool way to introduce fear into the the storyline more. Mm-hmm. Right, so. I mean the whole the whole like climax of the the movie is when Razal Gul and League of Shadows take this chemical that Scarecrow or, or Crane Doctor Crane had had developed. They find a way to to weaponize it throughout the entire city, and so the entire city gets it. But the the poison is this hallucinogenic, um, paranoia inducing drug that causes people to see whatever they fear most, essentially, or whatever. They interpret their surroundings in a way that is fearful to them. Yeah. And so I think that his character is very important to the theme of the movie because I'd say that, you know, we've talked about themes already, but I'd say that even mentioning like themes of justice and hope, identity and symbols, uh, fear is still the central theme to this movie overall. Mm -hmm. And so I think he's a very important character and that he he keeps that theme going and he has continuity. But in terms of like a villain, like if Raza Ghoul wasn't a part of this movie and Scarecrow was the big bad guy, this it would just be a total flop. Like he's oh, just yeah. he's just he's not a big bad. Yeah, he's he delights he's entertained and enjoys making people afraid just for the sake of making them afraid. Well, he wanted money as well. So yeah. he so he thought that the plan with the League of Shadows was to dilute the or poison the city's water supply. For the sake of holding the city ransom. Yeah. So I think he had a little motivation there. A little monetary motivation. Yeah, I don't think it's pure pure chaotic, but yeah. yeah. Okay. So what about Carmine Falcone? Yeah, I don't have a ton of thoughts on Falcone. He to me, he just seems like the run of the mill like mafia guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't what do you I I think I think the scene where Bruce goes to visit him. Uh, after he has Joe Chill shot is really important because he gives them this grand soliloquy monologue about fear and power. And he's like, oh, you're sad because your mommy and daddy got shot. And he's like, and he's just talking to him. He's like, you've never really tasted desperate. And that's a motivating point for Bruce to just go on this seven-year journey sure. to... Uh, train, fight, experience, like commit crimes himself to steal and kind of um, just go on this journey. And he's like, you know, he's talking about, he also is talking about fear. He says, you know, there's judge, some off-duty cops, and it's the judge that was over the hearing that uh, Joe Chill, his parents' murderer, was at. And he's like, you know, I wouldn't have a problem like killing you right now. It's like, you can't buy that. That's fear. And then he says, like, you always fear. fear. Yeah, he said, you always, he's like, 
when he's talking about the desperation, yeah, he says, you always fear what you don't understand. It's like, and you don't understand what it's like to be desperate, you know? So I thought that was a really cool part and important for the more development of it. But as our last character is just kind of this person that doesn't really have any in play to the fear at all as a, a supporting character is Lucius Fox. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Morgan Freeman in the movie. I just thought he was a fun character. Yeah. he's And great. Uh, just like a couple lines that encapsulate him is like, as I see it, Mr. Wayne, most of this stuff here is yours anyways. Yeah, no, he's great. He, um, he's, he's almost like similar. He's similar to Alfred in a sense of like, very clearly loyal to the Wayne name and the Wayne family. And he's just like, Oh, you're Bruce Wayne. Like, yeah, your dad built this company. It's yours. Like, sure. Yeah. I thought it was great that they kind of built on this. And it's like, Lucius is like, Hey, I'm not going to ask specific questions. That way I don't have to lie. Um, but don't think of me as an idiot. Right, you know, I know exactly what you're doing. You oh, know. he's very clear that like I know you're Batman. Yeah, very clear. I know what this little bat flying around the sky is at night. I know who he is. Don't tell me. That way, I don't have to lie. But I want you to know, I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really, really funny. And he's just he's fun. You know, he's a great. Morgan Freeman does a great job, and it's really, really fun. All right, so now we're going to get talking about some of our favorite scenes from this movie and favorite quotes. So I'll go ahead and start us off. Uh, one of my favorite scenes from Batman Begins is the I'll get my car. I brought mine. I brought mine. Yeah. Yeah. So he's talking to, to, uh, to Gordon and they're trying to get Rachel out because Rachel's been poisoned by Scarecrow, Dr. Crane. And they know that she's struggling. And so they're in this this alleyway. And Jim Gordon's like, I'll go get my car. And Batman goes, I brought mine. I brought mine. And then vroom, the Batmobile yeah. just zooms off. I love that scene. So what about you? What's one of your favorite scenes? So I really liked uh, Ducard visiting Bruce in prison and Bruce training with the League of Shadows. Yeah. I really thought... It just seemed like every single line that Liam Neeson was delivering was so important to forming and shaping the plot and the story and the character of Batman and his ideology and how it influenced him. And I thought it was cool to see that because we'd never seen that in live action. Like, you know, you could read the comics, how he trained in all these martial arts styles, how he did all this stuff. But most of the time we just see him like Batman in Gotham. He shows up and people are like, who's this Cape Crusader guy? And we never really got to see those, those like, how did he become who he was before that? Sure. So I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, what about you? Do you have some more? Yeah, for sure. One of, one of the scenes that I think is the best in terms of Batman establishing this, like this, this fear that people have of him is the swear to me scene. Yeah. So, Swear to me. Yeah, so he's got one. Of, my throat so bad. <laughs> he's got one of Falcone's men strung up by the ankle. Yeah, and he's pulled him at least like four stories high on top of this roof, and he's questioning him. 
and the 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 thug guy is like, I don't know, I don't know, I swear to God, I swear to God. And Batman goes, swear to me. Yeah. And it's intim- it's scary. Like yeah. that is it, you. I would be so stinking scared. So scared if someone said that to me, and they had me in that position. I think it just it shows this like this like meaning making that Batman is doing that we talked about earlier with themes like this, this, this process of meaning making. Yeah. And it, it, that is, is cultivating this, the meaning of the Batman or the meaning of the bat symbol. And I think that was kind of like the, um, at least like the easiest to point out like, Oh, so this is how Batman wants people to feel when they hear his name. Exactly. And it's such a, you know, that's one of the classic things of Batman is Batman interrogating these low level cronies, crooks. Yeah. And getting that like Batman's going to get the information that he wants. And there's a lot of times where he's just like, oh, this guy's scary. And like, he's, he's going to make sure that these people fear him. Uh, another scene that I really enjoyed was anytime Bruce and Lucius were in the applied sciences. Sure. Those scenes were really funny. He's just, well, we have a Tumblr, but I'm sure you wouldn't be interested in that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, uh, uh, he talks about, you know, it's like, Oh, what do you need it for? Uh, spelunking. He's like, spelunking. Yeah. Cave diving, you know? (laughs) And he's like, plan to be dodging, dodging a lot of bullets in that. And then he goes to talk about, uh, it's like, what will it be today? Base jumping. And he's like, oh, we've got this memory cloth. And he's like, why did they never put it into production? It's like, well, I'm not sure they thought about advertising to the billionaire spelunking base jumping crowd, (laughs) which I thought was really funny. That's a good one. Uh, I really like the death of Ra's al Ghul scene. Yeah, that was a really good one. So, I mean, obviously Ra's al Ghul is the villain. And he's the bad guy of the movie, but still, you know that he is. I think even despite that final fight, I think he's somebody that Bruce wants to be on his side. Yeah, and Bruce really cares about. Yeah, and was at at the very least very formidable in Bruce's life and his kind of cultivating who he is and becoming the batman and he was his mentor and his friend yeah and so i think that death was very it's a very fitting death right it's so at the end when he he has the batarang like hanging over him you know he's about to like stab him and razal goal is like finally you know like you finally learn to like do what it takes you know you're going to kill me and even though it's my death, I can at least acknowledge I finally taught you how to do this the right way. And Batman has the the great line where he's like, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Yeah. And he releases the train car and he just allows it to happen. And he just jumps back. And that's the end of Ra's al Ghul. It's the end of Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. I thought another good scene. I've got, I've got three more. So three more. How many more do you have? Uh, yeah, we'll see. We just keep going. <laughs> we'll see. Okay, so I think the hotel pool scene uh, was really funny where he's he's starting oh, to yeah, build yeah. the Bruce Wayne, like, I don't care. I'm a billionaire. Sure. I'm going to do whatever I want uh, persona. And uh, he buys the hotel. And it's, <laughs> there's a scene where he's like, they don't have swimming hair. And he's like, well, they're European. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then as he's leaving, um, Bruce and Bruce and Rachel start to engage. And that's where there's really a moment of tension yeah. with Bruce 
or Batman, like understanding the cost of what it's going to take because like he's in love with her and she's in love with sure. him and he has to protect himself yeah. and in an effort to protect her to be someone that he's really not. And so I have the dialogue. He's like where he comes back after seven years and like he spied on her, but like they haven't talked. Right. He said, I heard you were back. What are you doing? And he's uh, just swimming. You know, wow, it's so good to see you. <laughs> and she just says, you were gone a long time. He's just like, yeah, I know. How are things? Same. Job's getting worse. He says, uh, can't change the world on your own. And he's he's trying to still play off this, this I don't care, you know, uh, persona of like, I'm you know, Hey, you know, whatever it's, I'm, I've got money. I don't really care. And you know, can't change the world on your own. She says, what choice do I have? You're too busy swimming. Mm. And that's just kind of like, they've known each other their whole lives. And she thought like this man that she loves, like they were in this together, that they had the same view of things. And he goes, Rachel, all, all of this is not me inside i am i am more and it's just so sad because he wants to tell her but he also wants to protect her and he's he's taking down the caution that's where she says deep down you still may be the same great kid that you used to be but it's not who you are underneath it's what you do that defines you i just thought that was such a a, it's not like the greatest scene or it's not the scene that gets a lot of attention but i really enjoy how Bruce is like he's pained and you can tell that he's pained because he wants to tell her like, hey, I'm doing all of these things, but he can't because he wants to protect her. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. I I also like the. I like the um, the scarecrow Batman fight, not the first one, but the next one where. Batman injects him with his own poison. Oh, that's so and you cool. Get, Such a cool graphic scene. Like demon Batman, essentially. Yeah. I, I just like the way that looked. And I I love the the kind of visual, like visual effects representation of what Batman has become to these people. Yeah. Right. And you see it later too in the scene where they when they finally weaponize these chemicals in front of or not in front of, but to the entire city. And Batman's flying overhead. He's got these like demon eyes and pointy ears. And he's become a a demon to he's become a symbol of a demon, essentially. And it's it's a really cool and smart way to to visually show what Batman has become in the hearts of these people. Yeah. So I like that scene a lot. Yeah, those are really, really cool scenes. Uh, my next one is the scene where it's revealed that Ducard, Liam Neeson, is actually Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. I remember watching that in a the theater and my mind being blown away because, you know, in going into the movie and the trailers, Ra's al Ghul, and in the history of the comics, it's like he's known to be like have this rebirth, you know, to sure. be immortal. And then you see him die kind of like he's an Asian character. You see him die and you're like, Oh, okay. That was a, a use of that character that we haven't seen in the movies before. And you just accept it. Like he has a quote unquote rebirth. Yeah. It has a quote unquote rebirth. And in that scene, he's like, you're not Ra's al Ghul. I watched him die. And then he says, but is Ra's al Ghul immortal? I said, are his methods supernatural? 
said, or cheap parlor tricks to conceal your true identity, Roz. He says, surely a man who spends his nights scrambling over the rooftops of Gotham <laughs> wouldn't begrudge me a me dual identities. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. And then he's like, I saved your life. And then he says, I warned you about compassion. There was, yeah, there are a couple of funny Rosal moments. That one, and then where he goes, ah, I see he took my advice about theatrics, literally. <laughs> yeah, that part was really funny. Liam Neeson is so great. Uh, and my final scenes that I really enjoyed was Gordon driving the Batmobile. Sure. Where he's scraping up the cars and he's just like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you yeah. know? That part was really, really funny. I I also liked, and this is this is almost less of a scene, more of an Easter egg. But I really liked the end when Jim Gordon hands him. He's, he's like, you know, like these things always escalate. Like we buy semi-automatic weapons. They buy automatic you wear Kevlar, they wear this, you wear a mask, and now we've got this mask guy who's already robbed two banks, and he hands him a card, and it's got the it's the Joker, obviously. And yeah. like, this is his calling card. Oh, it's such a good lead up to the next movie. It is. Um, what about some quotes? What quotes? I have a lot of Ducard Rosal quotes that I really, really liked, but we'll do popcorn style. You want to go first? Uh, sure, I can go first. Let me find the quote. <laughs> yeah, so it's we've mentioned this, but it is the the dialogue between Bruce and Rachel Dawes, and so it's, it goes Bruce first. He says, "What if I do, Rachel? My parents deserve justice. You're not talking about justice. You're talking about revenge. Sometimes they're the same." Then Rachel responds, no, they're never the same. Justice is about harmony. Revenge is about making yourself feel better, which is why we have an impartial system. Yeah, that was really good. So my first quote is Ducard, where he's visiting Bruce in prison. And he says, you know, whatever your original attentions, you have become truly lost. If you make yourself more than just a man, if you devote yourself to an ideal, then you become something else entirely. Mm. Bruce goes, which is, he says, legend, Mr. Wayne. I thought that was really cool. Just like in the first 10 minutes, we have this unfamiliar setting, but sure. already the idea planted of Batman right. and becoming the symbol. Yeah. Uh, the next one I have, and this is, I mean, kind of an easy, easy one, but Scarecrow goes, who the heck are you? And Bat Batman replies, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Which is a great quote. That was a great quote. You know, how many times have people say just, I'm Batman. You know, it's great. Uh, my next one, yeah, I have a lot of Ducard quotes. Uh, he said, to manipulate fear in others, you must first master your own. And then it's the scene where he first gets to the League of Shadows. He says, death does not wait for you to be ready. Death is not considerate or fair. And make no mistake, here you face death. And mm -hmm. another just kind of, He's going to be facing that, and he's afraid of bats, and he needs to confront that if he's wanting to to use that to uh, use fear as a weapon on other people, on criminals specifically. Sure. This is a Bruce Wayne Alfred dialogue. All right. Bruce goes, "Bats are nocturnal," and Alfred responds, "Bats may be, but even for billionaire playboys, three o'clock is pushing it. <laughs> the price of leading a double life, I fear, your theatrics made an impression." 
To which Bruce responds, theatricality and deception are powerful weapons, Alfred. It's a good start. It's a good start. Yeah. I thought uh, when we were watching this uh, the other day, you pointed out a line to me, and I'd never picked up when I was Ducard. It said, criminals thrive on the indulgence understanding of society. Sure. I thought it was really cool. Um, and then when they're having kind of their the heart-to-heart with Ducard and Bruce Wayne after, at the fire, he said, I know the rage that drives you, the impossible anger strangling the grief until the memory of your loved one is just poison in your veins. And one day... You catch yourself wishing the person you loved had never existed so you would be spared your pain. And I think that's just so telling of, you know, being able to process grief well and having something to look beyond your own pain. And because they're both, you know, he's he's having this moment with Bruce because he's like, you know, I lost my wife. You lost your parents. And ultimately like all that grief and anger is just going to destroy you. It's going to lead to destruction. It won't lead to happiness. It won't lead to, um, you won't be satisfied. And he, even though like he was never, cause he's saying like, Oh, vengeance doesn't do me any good. The guy that killed my parents is, was killed by somebody else. Right. And I just thought it was just like, you know, no matter what it is, like the justice, even justice, it feels like doesn't satisfy sometimes. And there's got to be, um, like, wh- what are they putting their hope in? They're putting their hope in, like, revenge and and beating people up. But he's just like, you know, all these things are just going to lead to pain if you, you just hold on to this anger. Yeah, I have a quote from Ra's al Ghul. Not Ducard, but the, the person we think is Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. If someone stands in the way of true justice... You simply walk up behind them and stab them in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that was an intense, intense scene. You know, that was like, it's just like, wow. That's so good. Um, yeah. And Ducard, once again, he says, your compassion is a weakness that your enemies will not share. That's why it's important. Mm. It separates us from them. And that's really what separates Bruce from the him and the rest of the villains is like, he has compassion. He cares. He wants to save people. Um, and then, yeah, my last quote is Ducard saying, I see you took my advice about theatricality quite literally, which I, you already mentioned. Yeah, that's a great one. And then one more that I think is a good one. Why do we fall, Bruce? So we can learn to pick ourselves up. Yeah, that's such a great quote. line. Uh, was there, okay, are there any things that are criticism that you have about the movie or things you didn't like or could have be done better? Um, I mean, I don't know. I thought it was a great movie. Yeah, I thought it was a great movie too. I think Scarecrow had some cheesy, kind of very cheesy, like on the nose puns <laughs> lines. Uh, when he sets him on fire, he says, I think you need to lighten up. And yeah. he throws a lighter on him. I was like, okay. And then when he's riding on the horse right before Rachel tases him in the face, he's like, the only thing you have to fear is fear itself. And it's like, Cue evil laughter. <laughs> you know, sure. uh, those are things that I was just like, okay, that's a little too on the nose. But in that, I thought it was great. Um, so, getting into some questions, what is the best Batman's best gadget? I think it's the Batmobile. Okay, the Batmobile. That may be a little cheating because it's not necessarily a gadget. It's a car, car. tank. 
yeah. thing, but it's so cool. And this version of the Batmobile is awesome. I love the whole, um, I love like the weapon system, how he can like crawl, he crawls into it to shoot the guns essentially. And it doubles as this like super awesome tank and it's going on rooftops, but it's also fast enough to jump a bridge that's been pulled back. And yeah, it's great. That's awesome. I picked the grappling hook because all of the stunts with him, like kind of the scenes where he's creeping on and like going down and picking up people and, uh, you know, intimidating bad guys and like throwing them through the air. It all has to do with his grappling hook. And that really is what, what you're laughing at me. You think I'm stupid. Anyway, no, I don't think you're stupid at all. I'm sticking with my grappling. Hook. I think it's a great, I think it's a great tool. <laughs> all right, whatever. Next question. <laughs> Okay, where does Batman, or Batman, good grief. Where does Christian Bale, who is Batman, rank among all of the Batman actors? So I'd, I'd have to put him at number one for me personally. I I love Christian Bale's Batman. I also like Michael Keaton's Batman a lot. And I haven't seen Val Kilmer, but I've seen, let's see, who, who was? George Clooney. I've seen George Clooney. I've Adam seen Adam West. West. Uh, I haven't watched like the really old ben ones Affleck, like, like Robert you know. Lowry. Um, yeah, but yeah, I've seen I've seen Aff, Affleck, and <laughs> but yeah, I'd have to say that Bell 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 is by far my favorite. Yeah, I, th- I don't think it's even close. He's by far in a way the best. Uh, yeah, if we didn't have him in this trilogy, I don't think we would have gotten Ben Affleck or Robert Pattinson in the next year. Maybe we would have, but I think he's Michael Keaton. I think said like a few maybe even within the past week or past year he says like i'm the best batman but i think christian bale is the best all right next question where does this movie rank among all superhero origin stories across dc and marvel movies sheesh um where does it rank across origin stories um first movie of the trilogy you know i'm Kind of going by the seat of my pants here, but I'm going to say at least top three. I I can't think of any of the MCU origin movies that I. Iron Man is up there. Yeah, that's what exactly what I said. I think Iron Man's up there. Iron Man is up there with this. It's Iron Man, Batman Begins, and then I'm not even sure what my third one. I don't think right now. I mean, maybe the first Spider Man isn't that great with Tobey Maguire. Yeah, maybe it's been a long time since I've seen that, if I'm being honest. But I mean, I'd say it at top three, probably yeah. just off, you know, just flying by the cusp here. Yeah, I think it's definitely like top three, you know, Iron Man, I think Tobey Maguire. But I think after we get into that, like Thor wasn't the first Thor wasn't that good. The first Captain America wasn't great. You know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was really good. I don't think that's. I mean, I guess that's an origin story. Yeah. But not in the same sense, though. Yeah, not in the same sense. But so I think definitely maybe top three, possibly top two or one. I really, really like this movie a lot. Sure. All right. Who has the best performance in this movie? I think it's Christian Bale. Yeah, I think this is his movie for sure. Yeah, he he's he's great. Yeah, he's great. But I think like it's an all-star cast because you've got Liam Neeson, Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, Gary Oldman, and Christian Bale, and all of them have won Oscars. 
Well, and I think Katie Holmes is great in this too. Yeah, she's as, great. As Rachel Dahl, she's fantastic. Yeah, I'm super bummed she did not reprise her role for The Dark Knight. Yeah. That is super unfortunate. But yeah, I definitely think this is Christian Bale's movie. And as we'll get into next week, there's definitely a far and away winner of The Dark Knight, as well as there's a standout character for The Dark Knight Rises. But this is definitely Christian Bale's movie. Last question. Why is Batman, not specifically Nolan's Batman, but Batman in general, considered the best superhero? Or do you not consider him the best superhero? I I don't know. I mean, I don't know who the who the quote-unquote best is. I think a lot of people, I think people can relate to Batman in a lot of ways in the sense of like, um, like a lot of superheroes, like you see Superman, and he's like totally invincible, right? And it's like, okay, I can, you know, I mean, I can, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. Uh, but Batman's like, okay, like if you gave me the gadgets and let me train, like I might could be not as good as Batman, but I might could like, I could hold my own versus some criminals if you gave me Kevlar suits and training, training and like crazy like gadgets. I could have had a billion dollars. I could hold my own if you gave me all that. Sure. Exactly. And so I think there's something to Batman where you can at least like relate to, or you can, you can like at least conceive of yourself being him. So I think there's something there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's he's just the most human and relatable. Um, you know, he has these this traumatic past. He has problems. He has issues. He's he's torn between what he wants to do and like people he wants to protect. And he has an unbelievable will to do what's necessary. And he sticks hard and fast to his to his convictions and it's really admirable but getting into the home stretch overall reflections and final grade yeah overall reflections final grade i think this movie is is great i love the aesthetic of of gotham i love the kind of like city within a city feel of it the narrows look really cool um it, it makes it like a very distinct city. It doesn't look like, oh, Gotham's New York or, oh, Gotham is whatever. Like, it looks like its own distinct, distinct city. And I love that. Uh, I thought, Christ, I think Christian Bell is fantastic as Batman. And yeah, this movie's great. And so I'm going to give it an A, solid A, great movie. Yeah, I'm going to give it an A as well or a 9.4. I think there's, it's just really good and all around fantastic superhero origin stories movie that was really a darker take on Batman that we than we had seen up to this point. And it was really enjoyable. I really loved it. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for another episode of the Brad Report. We hope that you dug what you heard. We hope that you will like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, follow us on social media. And until next time, love you 3000.